0: Jonathan Kraft, Bloomberg Business of Sports, from Bloomberg Radio.
1: Hello, I'm Michael Vaughn. I'm Evan Novi williams I'm Randall Williams. Randall Williams, the intern Woo-hoo! joining us today. Welcome, Randall. I'm Scott Soschnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, a conversation with former NHL
0: player Jeff Hamilton during his career. Jeff played with the Chicago Blackhawks, Toronto Maple Leafs, Carolina Hurricanes, and New York Islanders. I forgot about the Islanders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about I that. did not as uh, I growing d- up on island. And more importantly, he coached the Connecticut Junior Rangers, my son's team, to the championship in the prestigious brick tournament at Edmonton, the premier hockey competition for 10-year-olds in North America. We're gonna talk to him about the business of youth sports. But first, let's get to some of the week's
0: top stories, beginning with a big Hollywood talent agency pushing into professional
1: sports. Who to thunk? LeBron's agent Rich Paul getting into Hollywood. At around the same time as LeBron goes to LA, hmm. what what synergies uh, this is going to bring? I'd I'da thunk it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have thunk, it. Are you yeah. thunk this. Yeah,
3: I mean, why not LA?
2: It, it makes total sense, absolutely. And 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 for for folks out there who don't know, you know, th- there are three major talent agencies in LA. There's William Morris, there's CAA, and there's UTA. And William Morris and CAA are are very big in managing athletes in terms of their you know, their their contracts as well, and UTA
1: is not. By the way, LeBron's off-court is held by William Morris. Mm.
2: And now UTA is getting into that world, and they're tapping Rich Paul, who has been a longtime friend of LeBron's. They met, I think, when LeBron was 18. Uh, they're tapping Rich Paul to do that business for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis is one of the clients. He's got uh, Draymond Green as another client. It's Clutch Sports. So Rich gets money, sells a piece of Clutch. Smart to do that. Take, right. take some money off the table, and he gets to run the UTA, which is a huge agency. If you're not, I mean, if you're not familiar with the Hollywood landscape, here are some of the clients: Angelina Jolie, Harrison Ford, Will Ferrell. Who? Uh, no. Yeah, right. Well, I wouldn't be surprised with you, but, but Randall, from your perspective, do you look at athletes just now? Because you're younger than all of us, even Evan. He's like one of the old guys now. You know, you're you brought up at an age now where athletes are so much more than just athletes. Whether it's their social media. They're doing so much more. They want to
3: be right. more than athletes. I think I'm used to it. After LeBron, I kind of get the expectation that the big money athletes will expand into Hollywood. I mean, Steph Curry had the golf show earlier this year. Kevin Durant had the boardroom show on ESPN+. So the top tier players, at least say NBA players, I pretty much have the expectation that eventually during their career or after their career in the offseason that they're going to make that move because there's... A lot of money there, Randall. We like our jobs, don't be too good. Like, like
1: <laughs> no, make it seem like I, you don't really know all that much. please. I,
0: I, I want to, uh, from a geezer standpoint, because back in the day when I loved Pete Rose, <laughs> oh god, they, they weren't even thinking about stuff like this you know, the producing and, and all of this. Today does that uh, how does that impact you today when you hear of all these athletes doing that
3: um, well it makes me spend more money for one That's uh. the goal <laughs> 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 um, so you got it I mean the bigger an athlete gets outside of their I would say an NBA you know outside of their NBA press conferences you don't get to hear them talk with in exclusive interviews a lot so when you get LeBron James with his Show on HBO, and you have Kevin Durant show on Boardroom or on ESPN Plus. Then it makes you want to hear them more and see what they think outside of just the sports realm themselves. Just because you don't really get that a lot.
1: What did they say about LeBron? What, What what was the the rallying cry? Not just an
3: athlete, mm-hmm.
1: All right. and he is setting the pace for future athletes. They will not be quiet.
2: He's not right. a bad actor, either. The, that Bill Hader, Amy Schumer movie that he did? Yeah. he's pretty good in that. He I not did terrible. not see that. No, i
1: recommend it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> last time Edmund recommended a movie, okay. we were taking a red-eye home from San Francisco from our Players Tech Summit, oh. and this was Eben's recommendation, so we said, alright, we're sitting next to each other, we'll watch the same movie at the same time. So this we is can not kill. an entirely true it story. It was <laughs> the worst Movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it, <laughs> was, no, the, it was no, it was it was the worst movie ever.
2: I did not recommend it. I you, chose it, and that's a difference.
1: Oh, uh, well, you yes. said let's watch this. Yeah, I knew that's, nothing about
2: it. That's I just, a recommendation. Just play. Don't it was, don't it was not, like I, it don't was not like I was words. like, oh, this is a great movie. We should uh, we should watch this one. So uh, why did you I don't even know. I honestly, that. don't even remember what it was called. It was uh, Scarlet. Johansson, Johansson. They, on like a, a, a bachelor party, party get, where they killed the stripper it was it, it was, was bad. so bad yeah it was bad
1: like nothing re- normally there's one scene that's <laughs> redeemable there was nothing redeemable about this movie yeah it was bad nothing
0: moving on to our next story <laughs> yes.
1: speaking of lebron james good i'm glad you said it that
0: way he wanted to get a new number on his jersey but that's been put on hold yeah, eighty-six.
1: <laughs> this, make, this makes no sense to me. I see what you did there. You know, this what makes you, no sense. It, but Maybe it makes no sense.
2: LeBron James wanted to change his number. He wanted to go back to. to well, he, six, he wanted I believe, to give right? his, his new teammate Anthony Davis 23 number twenty-three. Anthony yeah. Davis, and the, according to Yahoo, it, it didn't happen because Nike had printed so many LeBron James but six this, jerseys. But not,
1: I mean, but this is a long-standing rule in the NBA. If you want to switch, you have to suck up the inventory that's out there. The team or the player has to suck up the inventory that's out there.
2: The, according to Yahoo, Nike said they had too many and they they did not okay the switch.
1: I, I don't. I, I will have to. Ch- I don't know Which, if that's true. Either way, whatever it is, it shocks well, maybe me. Maybe LeBron said Nike just eat it. It shocks me that, that
2: Nike <laughs> would not do that. I mean, For LeBron, LeBron. LeBron James is, is possibly outside of Michael Jordan their most important endorser. I don't know how many jerseys are out there. Even if it is no, a, so you're saying no matter what LeBron wants, you think Nike number. would cater to it? Absolutely.
1: Wish. Right. It it right. does not. It does not make sense to so me. So maybe that that does goes to show how many are out there, and they were just like, no, we just can't. Do
2: so it. that's the second part of what confuses me because we, we talk a lot about fanatics, you know, and and they have the ability to print uniforms and T-shirts on demand.
1: Let's use right? the fanatics' so, favorite term. Vertical integration. Vertical integration. (laughs) integration? Yeah, the
2: the technology is out there right now so that companies and and retail brick-and-mortar stores or even teams don't get burned when a player gets traded or a player changes his number. I, I just don't understand how, even now in 2019, there are so many pre-printed jerseys out there, so many, in fact, that it is prohibitively expensive for the biggest star in the NBA to decide to Bar, change his if, number.
1: If only we had a mechanism by which Eben Novi williams reporter Bloomberg News, could figure out how much it was going to cost Nike and why they said no. Next week, I, they, I we're, we're going to put that on him. That's for na- <laughs> Randall, you remind him. We want, we want that number by next week.
0: Uh, speaking of numbers, let's turn now to hockey. And one player was looking for a fresh start. Yeah, I think this one's fun. So
2: just another you know, another option for players who are t- switching their numbers. William Nylander, who's a-, a forward for the Toronto Maple Leafs, he decided he would change his number from 29 to 88 um, and then announced that he would pay for any fan who had a jersey of his with an old number to get the number either re-sewn on or re-screen uh, printed on.
1: Let, let me tell you, as probably the top hockey fan here in the room, I, I, Randall, big hockey fan, yes or no? Uh, not, not okay. A lot. All right, so then I'm going to take the title here. If you're if you're looking at the Maple Leafs and popularity of jerseys, and we were talking about LeBron, how many of them must be out there? When you've got a team that has Austin Matthews, and you have a team that has John Tavares, I mean, Willie Nylander's a nice player, but I don't think it's breaking the bank for. If every person with a Willie Nylander jersey said, "You know, let's do it and please pick up the tab," I think you're going to be okay.
2: Even okay. so, this is a nice this is a nice
1: gesture. And right? he just signed he, a 45 million dollar contract. He
2: worked out with the local it's a local hockey shop, you know, fans can take their jersey there. They, they have a, they had an outpost within the arena so it's they can do it at games move Absolutely by Willie Nylander. Smart. Absolutely it's not that
1: smart. hard. Just like and what do I say all the time? How hard is it for players? You see it all the time during warm up, you know when they throw a puck to a kid? Or they wave, or they give him a stick. They get this international promotion for being the nicest guy in the world for simply taking five (laughs) seconds to acknowledge like a cute little fan or something. They should do it every night. And
0: Mm -hmm. look at it. Now we're talking about Nylander.
1: Yes!
3: It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's
1: not that...
3: Hard. I think uh, on the opposite side of that, I don't know if you you saw the video. I think it happened last year. Steph Curry was in the tunnel, and he and there was a fan holding his jersey up. Uh, trying to get it signed, and he didn't. So when an athlete doesn't do it and it's on video, it's huge news. It's it like, looks real bad. Yeah, yeah Megan
1: Rapino at the SB is like not yeah. looking at the— Yeah. Anyway, it's not too hard. Let's see what they can do. Now let's get to this
0: week's interview with former NHL player Jeff Hamilton. During his career, Jeff played with the Chicago Blackhawks, Toronto Maple Leafs, Carolina Hurricanes, and New York Islanders. He is also Yale University's all-time leading scorer.
1: And Michael, he also coached the Connecticut Junior Rangers, my son's club, you all heard a lot about it, to the championship of the prestigious brick tournament in Edmonton, the premier hockey competition for 10-year-olds in North America. Jeff, thank you for joining us.
4: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: You got a smile on your face today, Jeff? Every day. All right, well, can I make it bigger for you? I'm going to make it a little bit bigger for you. Here you go. And that's how
4: they score!
3: Connecticut wins it in overtime!
1: The prestigious brick tournament tournament, did you really, I know at the beginning man for the, for the listeners of this show, they know my son plays hockey, they should know by now that he was a part of this team you said at the start, you didn't care if we went 0-6, 6-0, and this was the most talented team you had, did you think this team would win it?
4: No honestly no, it, it, and I, I, I think that going in every year that, that, like I said, this is the most talented team I've seen, but we we're from I think 10 or 11 different organizations, all the kids so it was trying to put all the pieces together in, a, in kind of a short window. Um, and actually one of the dads texted me and said, you know, do you really think we have a very slim chance of winning? I said, 100%, like this tournament is impossible to win. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the God's honest truth, slim to none. Onto the business of it all though.
1: Have you seen any bump in the business of Connecticut Junior Rangers? I mean, I can't think that there'd be any better promotion for the program than to win this tournament, and you were out there on social media making sure the world of hockey knew all about it.
4: <laughs> I try. I'm a one-man social media uh, outlet, and it's not pretty at times. I, I wish I had somebody that knew what they were doing. But uh, business has been, you know, the Rangers has been steadily growing and kind of building momentum for the last uh, four years. So it's this was kind of a culmination of what, what we've built, myself and Bob Crawford, and and, and kind of a – you know, icing on the cake, um, situation for us, but it's, you know, we've added more teams every year. We've expanded the program. Uh, we've, we've done better at the brick once the first two years, uh, we're kind of feeling, feeling out the process and how it worked. And in the 2007 year was good. We made the playoffs, 08s, made the semis. And then this year we built on that. So, um, it's kind of been a slow build. Um, for the last five years, so uh, it was good to get this brick championship, but again, everything just fell in place at the right time to, to pull this off. So,
1: Did you see the Time Magazine cover story not long ago about all the money in youth sports? It's a billion-dollar industry. Have we reached a point from the business of kids' sports, and we're talking ages five, six, seven? is there a bit of insanity on the parental side of things, or is just this is where we are, and folks are willing to spend big money, not only on their kids and pets, so you might as well take it if they're willing to spend it.
4: You know what? I saw it coming. Um, I I got involved when I retired unexpectedly in 2011. Um, So I got involved, uh, you know, eight years ago, and I I saw it building. And and what I think it stems from, the insanity, yes, it all kind of feeds into it, um, but it started with colleges. Like, I think if you'd ask anybody that's at this level of hockey, if they could use a sport or anything, an instrument to get into a better school academically, they would say, sign me up. And they'd look at it as an investment up until that point. Well, what happened was colleges all of a sudden started committing eighth graders, freshmen in high school. So that dropped the business aspect of youth sports even further down. So when I came through uh, college hockey, it was, you know your junior year you're allowed to talk to coaches now it's 7th and 8th graders which is insane to me um but i think that's driven the insanity and the the pressure you know further down so now you're talking 5th and 6th graders are like i'm 2 years out from being committed and if i don't my career's over um <laughs> so i think that is that is a real driver of of the insanity in the the business of sports because everybody's looking for a leg up in college or a scholarship and and at you know 40 to 70 grand a clip for a, a university it's it's big business. Truth be told,
1: Jeff and we're chatting with Jeff Hamilton, program director of the Connecticut Junior Rangers. Truth be told, I wouldn't need a scholarship if my kid didn't play hockey. I could afford just to pay for his college. I mean, I don't want to tell everybody, I'm a little embarrassed what the two months of this brick thing cost me. But let's just say the money I'm spending on let's 12 13 years of hockey, it's not an understatement or overstatement to say that I could just pay for his four years of college.
4: Correct, but I think there's also, especially in hockey, and I'm clearly biased, um, I think there's real value in lessons taught and learned playing hockey especially, but youth sports in a, in a good program. Uh, there's, there's huge life lessons to be learned. Um, and if I'm paying for um, you know, my kid to go to a hockey rink or a baseball field or a lacrosse field instead of being on an iPad or an iPhone or whatever, I think that's value. Uh, I think that's a, a worth every penny um, and to be around other kids and, and to travel and to, and to do all this stuff. I think it's very valuable for these kids, especially in this day and age when, when it seems that uh, you know, kids are sheltered more and more. I think it's good for them to be, be out there and, and be with other kids and struggle and fail and learn and compete. Um, and and uh, and to allow them to do that without interruption, I think is uh, is worth every penny to me.
2: Jeff, let's actually talk about the the money a little bit without being maybe yeah. too specific about specifically yeah. your program. Roughly, how much does it cost a family who wants to put their kid, let's say a ten year old, at the highest highest level of of youth hockey right now?
4: Uh, I would say in our area. Um, now we're 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 extremely. Rare, uh, given our ice costs and, 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 and everything else associated with being in Fairfield County, um, but we're probably in that for a full season of hockey. You can expect, you know, in the 10 to 12,000 range would be my guess, uh, all in with travel and, and, and stuff like that, equipment and tuition and, and everything, and that that gets you, you know. Um, um, You know, it gets you three practices a week. It gets you 50-plus games. It gets you a couple tournaments. Um, You know, it gets you professional coaching. Um, So that's probably our ballpark. And considering our ice costs are are 2 to 3x times most people, in most organizations I think that's a pretty good value for for our area
2: we're speaking with Jeff Hamilton program director for the youth hockey franchise the Connecticut Junior Rangers and Jeff given I mean given those costs that, that you're describing I'm curious if is youth hockey losing or I guess youth sports overall because I don't think yet hockey is totally unique in, in those numbers is it losing its egalitarianism somewhat I mean if I am a very talented Ten-year-old hockey player, but my family just doesn't have the means to to, to pay ten thousand dollars for a season. Am I am, am I still po- is it possible still for me to, to reach the highest levels, or am I losing out on that opportunity just because the finances have gotten so large?
1: Well, Jeff, before you answer, I just want to joke that I'm glad we have a Princeton guy throwing out egalitarianism to a Yale guy. I mean, at least you guys know what you're talking about. Ba- Barr looks a little confused on the
4: right side. Oh,
1: Oakland
0: County Community College, what? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Mm. um but no we we have e- even inside uh, the junior rangers we have uh, financial aid that we provide families um you know we we uh we have a 501c3 that uh, um, that people can donate to um and we do fundraisers and stuff like that so we we help families that 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 uh that need financial assistance um you know we, we've been doing that since since the connecticut yankees days
0: I want to go back to something you said earlier and yeah. you made a very good point and you were talking about you'd rather see children participating whether it's youth hockey whether it's youth baseball or whatever instead of being on an iPad or playing the latest Fortnite video game whatever and unfortunately it seems in society we're losing that battle so what can we do uh, as parents you know outside of you're going to play sports to convince children, hey, you know what? This is the way you should go and and have a more quality life.
4: Uh, personally, as a parent, and I'm saying this, uh, and I just bought my kids their first iPhones, uh, Scott. They they they. I promised Jack that if he won the brick, bricks, oh no, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that goes that goes back to my.
1: You really idea. didn't think like, you were gonna win.
4: That that really exactly. demonstrates. <laughs> So it goes, it flies in the face, everything I'm talking about. But I, I don't give my kids the option. It's, hey, listen, if, if I see you on the iPad or whatever for, for 10 or 15 minutes, done. Go outside and do something. If you don't, you know, whatever it is, I don't care what it is, go outside and do something. Go get in trouble, go climb a tree. doesn't matter. I, I just I don't, I don't want kids on, my kids, on their their iPads. I don't give them the choice. And, and, you know, car rides and stuff like that, as long as they get their reading done, if they get their math sheets done, okay, then go play a video game. Because I played video games growing up. Um, you know but, but my dad and mom were were on me to to not just sit there and and marinate in front of a in front of a screen that's true so I, it comes mean, down, I mean it comes yeah. out of parenting and personal choice you know and preference but but i don't i'm on my kids about it
0: you know yeah i mean as growing up too it's like you know my mom and dad were like okay here's a football there's a bowling ball do whatever you need to do go get some sport activity but uh they, they kept it to a minimum when it came to uh, playing Pong, let's put it that way.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Actually, funny story. I, my my uh, Jack, my the the one that was on the brick team, I, he gets up early and I came down in the office and he's got a computer in there. And I'm fixing breakfast and making coffee, whatever, and, and a half hour later I go in there. He's still on there. I'm like, Jack, I'm going to kill you. What are you playing? And I look on the computer, he's playing Pong. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'll give you another 10 minutes if you're playing yeah. that drill. Cool. Harkening back to yesteryear.
1: <laughs> but, but speaking yeah. of being on your kids, Jeff, I go to these rinks, and I was a soccer player, and I got to tell you, sometimes I am super scared when I see moms and dads yelling at kids. And you got to do more, and it's twelve months a year, and you got to go to another clinic because somebody else is doing it. How much is too much, and what do you tell
4: parents about youth sports? It's a, it's a great question, and I, I think we're probably going to flush that out as as you know as as parents of athletes in the next I don't know half a dozen ten years once kind of this insanity matures a little bit. But personally, my kids are playing. Uh, five or six sports they're playing golf they're playing tennis and they and I'm trying to juggle it. luckily, I can control one schedule um, which makes a huge difference at times, but you know they're they missed baseball for the first time this year they missed uh, a bunch of the lacrosse tournaments and 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 you know all the other stuff so it's it's tough to juggle it um, but my personal opinion is between what they get practices three times a week, they get their 50 games, and then they do do spring hockey as well, uh, which which is two times a week, uh, the practices, and then, you know, 10, 12 games. Unless you're doing the brick, then it's a little bit more, but I think that's plenty. My kids don't do any extra work. They don't do private lessons. They don't do skill sessions. Um, I, I just would rather have them go pick up a lacrosse stick as opposed to go get a private skating lesson or, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think the multi sport athlete is long-term is, uh, is a better hockey player. Um, so I, I don't push any of those extra, extra things on him.
1: We are chatting with Jeff Hamilton, the program director of the Connecticut Junior Rangers, and I take great solace in that because you should see the funny looks I got from some people on our team and some others around. when, like, well, so what's Jackson doing now? And I said, anything but hockey. He is not allowed to play goalie. If he wants to go to a puck shoot and skate out because he doesn't get a chance to do it very often, I, I let him do it. But he is not allowed to be a goalie on ice for the next five to six weeks.
4: That's great. And, and to your point, skating out, I mean, it's a whole different position, right, playing goalie. So that's almost like another sport for him. So that's, that's, uh, that's great to hear. And, and it's well-deserved on his part. You know, like it's a long season and it's a long spring. And, and if anything, just clear the head uh, for these kids. Uh, like my kids are out in Wyoming right now. Mick just fell off a horse yesterday. <laughs> um, you know, I love it. It's great. Get away from the rink. Yep.
2: Jeff, can you give us a sense? I mean, you mentioned the 501 C three, the foundation kind of attached to the Connecticut junior Rangers. Give us a sense of from the business standpoint, kind of how you guys operate, how many teams are under the, 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 the junior Rangers umbrella? Uh,
4: so we have about 25 teams in the winter, uh, 25 teams in the spring. um, and we have, uh, I don't know the exact number, but we have maybe eight to 10 professional coaches, maybe more now, 12 professional coaches. And then we have, you know, a certain amount of parent coaches and, and my, myself, I'm included as a parent coach. So I, I, my philosophy is it's not better to have a parent coach. It's not better to have a pro coach. It's the best coach, you know, that, that you can find.
2: You guys have some good ones, right? You're not the only former NHL player that is, uh, that is involved from a coaching standpoint.
4: Correct. We we have you know Chris Jury who's you know obviously with the Rangers now. Have, uh, Marty St. Louis that helps us out. We have uh, you know Ryan and Sean Haggerty that 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 both played at a high level. I mean the list goes on and on of, of guys that uh, Jimmy Hankel, uh, who's our uh, junior coach, um, that played professionally in college hockey. And if you go down our list, it's you know the majority of guys are either longtime professional coaches or uh, have played college and or pro. So. Um, it's a, it's a good mix. It's a good balance, and and it, sometimes it's it's nice to have a parent coach because he's obviously more invested, uh, just in you know in the day to day stuff because he has a kid there. Um, you know, but we we've done a great job finding uh, local pro coaching talent that that uh, has really. You know driven our our success
2: and, and where does the the money come i mean obviously fees for for from parents for for their kids to join the team you also mentioned donations are, the, are those kind of the two main buckets for for how you know where revenue comes from for the rangers
4: correct and we we do camps and tryouts and and stuff like that 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 helps with the uh helps with uh, revenue and and um you know we do we do camps you know invite camps throughout the summer we do um, we'll do some extra stuff during the spring. Um, but that's, that's the two main buckets. Yeah. Is there, is there merchandise? I uh, actually then there's merchandise. There's, there's my, my there's wallet can confirm there. there is merchandise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just actually opened up, uh, opened up a shop uh, a couple years ago, um, that's kind of taken on a life of its own. But, but Jeff, uh,
1: funny, let me tell you, uh, I happen to be friendly with Nate Checkets, who's the founder and CEO of Roan. They have a pop-up shop in Chelsea Piers in Stanford. And I had talked to him a while back about perhaps sponsoring Jackson's team, his his winter team. What about the thought of, because of the the exposure that these programs get, is there value in companies attaching their brands to CJR, to mid-Fairfield, to those premium brands in youth hockey? Is there a sponsorship opportunity? Uh,
4: there is. And, and an excellent example of that is uh, is uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins Elite uh, organization. They po- uh, I actually talked to the guy that set it up. They s- partnered with Dick Sporting Goods. And they went from – they've had a, a rapid growth in Pittsburgh of both numbers and talent. Um, and through Dick's and I think the Mario Lemieux um, – I don't want to misrepresent what they're doing, but Mario Lemieux has some kind of foundation where they match whatever uh, Dick's Sporting Goods adds to the, uh, the yearly uh, donation and, uh, or sponsorship. And they, their numbers have gone – through the roof. The tuition is dropped by 40 or 50 percent. People get discounts at Dick's Sporting Goods for you know equipment and stuff like that so it's been a huge uh, win for their program and I don't know how that affects Dick's but it it definitely looks good on them that that uh, they're partnered with the Pittsburgh Penguins elite um, and they're doing such a great job so uh, there's definitely room for that. We've explored it Um, but just going back to the the one-man band here—it's tough to. All right, I'm going to drive that bus, uh, Jeff.
1: I'm telling you right here on the air, I am going to drive that bus.
4: <laughs> but uh, yes, it's, it's definitely an opportunity and something that we've explored uh, briefly and, and kind of lightly. But uh, but it's worked other places, and you got you know Honey Baked, and you got Little Caesars, and you got uh, you know all these other uh, Chicago Mission uh, that have done similar things. So uh, it's out there.
2: Jeff, you're obviously familiar with kind of the the fight going on right now for for college athletes trying to get a, a piece of the the money that they generate. You know, obviously, youth hockey and youth sports are nowhere near that level yet. but but as we talk about, you know, merchandise and sponsorships, and, you know, if you're the Little League World Series, there's already media rights coming in. Um, do you think we're going to ever reach a point where, you know, there, there there's talk of, payment to parents or to kids for, for their participation as, as the commercialization aspect rises
4: in the youth, in the youth market. Yeah. I have, you know, that, that's a great question. I, I, I wouldn't begin to know the answer to that. I, I would say with the social media presence, I think there's opportunities for, I mean, you see, you see some, you know, if you want to call them social media stars, little kids and, and in all sports that uh, I, I believe are making money off of, uh, you know, YouTube videos and Twitter, uh posts based on their followers and all that stuff so there is you know there is something there uh, as far as on a mass scale I don't know that's uh, uh who knows that's a great question I don't know
0: I'd like to ask the question about TV rights i I mean right now you you will see a game like this on your local cable channel will that expand one day because of youth sports
4: i, I would hope so i i um I think the brick is is uh is an exceptionally uh, well-run uh, tournament it's broadcasted uh, professionally it's the play-by-play guys are very enthusiastic and and, and call a good game and um, I, I think people would i'd love to know their viewership numbers just on the on the online feed but uh, I, I think that tournament itself is ripe for for uh, you know being a, a smaller version of the little League world series of hockey um, I, I think that there's could be some traction there but um, I think Live Barn is also um, kind of trying to fill that void. Live Barn is, a, is an online streaming of, of all uh, hockey games, youth hockey games. Um, so there might eventually be some kind of channel uh, linked into that. I don't know, but uh, there's definitely a market for it. I mean, with, with the travel and everything involved, you know, more and more family members get an opportunity to watch their their siblings and their sons and daughters and um, you know, I definitely think there's something there.
1: I will tell you with the popularity of the sports and the proliferation of the OTTs, I would venture to guess that within the next year or two, the brick will be shown on whether it's ESPN plus or Amazon or Facebook live, somebody with the amount of sponsorship they have and the need for programming, somebody will absolutely jump in and show that to the masses. No doubt.
4: I hope so. You, you, now you've seen it firsthand. It's, it's, it's a world-class event and it's uh It's a unique venue and and great hockey, and and like I said, it's it's very well run, um, and it's one of the greatest youth hockey events a kid can do. All right, that's Jeff Hamilton,
1: Program Director of the Connecticut Junior Rangers. Jeff, thanks so much for taking some time. Thank you, sir. Thanks
4: a lot for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
0: I am so excited that we're seeing a former player, professional player, working with youth. And, Scott, as you know, I mean, this guy sounds super. I have nothing but accolades for
1: him. It was a fantastic experience, not only because they won, but the way Jeff handled the kids and really made made them feel special and that he cared about them. That, that was my takeaway from the tournament. From this interview, I love the craziness of the parents. I mean, I live it, but for the coach to say, That, you know, they need to get their heads on straight. And when I said I'm taking my son off the ice for five or six weeks, what did he say? Good for you. Yeah. Because I know so many kids who are—and this is not just hockey. This is not just what I see every day. You you read the basketball story on ESPN where these injuries, the overuse injuries. Parents, get a grip. Your kid does not need to be doing this, specializing in one sport seven days a week, 365 days— It's not good for the body. It's not good for the mind. I'm
2: struck by how professional... A setup. This is, and it is. You know, the, he. You know, the junior rangers employ coaches. They have trainers. They have a five hundred one c three. They take donations. They give scholarships. Uh, as you as you heard him talk about, they are exploring partnerships and sponsorships. They have merchandise. There are teams out there, and and Little League World Series is a good example that has media rights. This is going to be on this, TV. I'm
1: telling you, this is going to be on TV. All soon. of
2: this starts to look a lot like. College sports, or even professional sports, Jeff it's Kessler, amazing. Jeff Kessler on line one. <laughs> it's amazing how 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 commercialized this whole endeavor is. And I was serious when I asked him. I do wonder if they reach a point where kind of the conversations you're hearing in college sports eventually trickle their way down to youth sports. Yeah, where well. I say, pay me. Yeah.
1: My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since i was a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike.
4: We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the
0: week. Number of the week. I'm going to give you two. Uh-oh. I'm going to give you two. 50 to five. 50 as in T-O. Okay. 50, 50. down to five.
1: Evan and I look at each other quizzically.
2: How much weight Phil Mickelson lost by fasting for five days.
0: That's 15. That was a good number. I should have used that one too. Mm. Do you have an idea?
1: No, I don't know.
0: And I don't make fun because any so <laughs> anytime anybody tries to do a business, I, I always feel bad when they it collapses. Big baller. Uh, oh, yes. They yes, were yes. selling $50 t-shirts at its height and at a volleyball tournament, I saw that it yeah. went down from fifty-dollar t-shirts to five dollars, cash only. Yeah, that's what has happened. They, they used to sell big baller shoes. They sold their their shoe brand for a four hundred twenty dollars, and and now it's down to
1: yeah. This. And I think our about the sandals. Is, yeah, right. I think <laughs> yeah. our sports biz pal Darren Ravel tweeted the website has been under construction for months. Yeah, so yeah. something tells me it's not just BBB now. It's BB, BBB, bye-bye, big bowler brand. Oh, man. Thank uh, you. Hey.
2: It's a model, I think, that will happen. It will work at some point.
1: It didn't, what, was it it didn't the right work player for the was ball the, family. Yeah, yeah. Not
2: the right player, not the right father, for sure. Um, but eventually we will see a, a star young player who creates his own brand and eventually sells it to a Nike or an Adidas or a Reebok, et cetera. Agreed. Uh, it, yep. it will work at some point.
0: You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports, and we're here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast, and you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports.
2: I'm Evan Novi williams at Novi underscore Williams.
1: And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry.
0: You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.